podcast from Impact 89 FM. WDBM East Lansing. Bringing you sports from NBA to NHL to NFL and more. But more importantly, bringing you the full rundown on MSU Spartan Sports. We cover it all. Get us on the phone at 432-3893. And now, the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Welcome to the Spartan Sports Wrap here on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. My name is Dave Rinku, and I will be your host as usual for the next hour. And as a rarity, actually, I will be doing the show by myself today. Uh, Megan actually went out to Wisconsin here for Labor Day weekend and is stuck out there in traffic and construction. So hopefully, Megan, the drive is going well enough for you. We definitely will miss you this week, but I know you'll be back next week. But yes, I will be the one doing the show today. So uh, yeah, trust me, callers are definitely appreciated. Uh, We got a lot to talk about, so I definitely love to get some opinions out there. Uh, what people thought of went went on with the Spartans. We got the Lions, Tigers. Um, so much good action going on in the world of sports right now. So, a lot to get to. Uh, I want to throw the phone number out there for everyone. It's five one seven four three two. 3893 is the number. Again, you guys can call in all show really about whatever you want. But um, we have a lot to get to. Uh, like I was saying, um, you know, first off, last week, uh, if anyone actually missed the show, um, it was a really great show. Uh, we had Hank Below on, who is uh, Max Below's fa- uh, grandfather, who uh, is our starting linebacker, as it seems right now, for the Spartans. Um, he was on the show last week, uh, as well with uh, Rick Otis. Uh, Rick Otis played on the Michigan State Spartan uh, football team from 76 to 79, was a center there, lettered in years 77 and 79. Um, but Hank Below, um, really the highlight, um, you know, the godfather of MSU football, this man, you know, won two national championships here uh, with this team under Duffy from 52 to 54, um, coached MSU for a while as well, then took his talents to the NFL, won a Super Bowl with the Colts, the Baltimore Colts, Colts at that time, was drafted by the Green Bay Packers in 1954. Um, you know, just a storied storied football career for this man, whether it was college or the NFL. He really got it done on both sides, really developing in a lot of ways the 3-4 defense and actually teaching Dick LeBeau the 3-4 defense blitz scheme. Um, you know, Hank Below is credited for that. Um, he's an amazing man. He was a great guest on this show. Um, like I said, the godfather of MSU football. He has done it all, whether it's defensive coordinator out there for the Bengals, uh, the Giants, he was uh, the Bills. He was on all kinds of different teams and did so much. So if you missed that show, we're going to hope to uh, get him back on the show. Um, definitely at some point, but it was a fantastic show, a real learning lesson, I think, for myself and a lot of people as to, you know, really what the, the nature of the game was back then. And I think what really showed through um, last week was just Hank Below's appreciation and love of the sport and the people that he's met along the way. Um, you know, not having a bad word to say about any owner he was under, any coach, um, anybody. He re- really revered everyone he worked with and appreciated their work, and I think that's one of the most uh, one of the best things I saw from Hank Below is just his appreciation of the game and the people that have given him those chances over these years. But we do have a lot to get to. Uh, that was last week's show. Uh, but the Spartans did play a football game this Friday night. Um, it was their opener. Uh, they played under the lights here at Spartan Stadium against the Youngstown State Penguins. 
That's right, the Penguins, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, uh, we get to play the Penguins for a nice home night opener here. I uh, haven't had that in a long time. Um, the Spartans will actually have a home uh, opener again uh, under the lights next season against Boise State, which um, really should turn out to be uh, one heck of a game. But this is the game that took place. Youngstown State, Friday night again, and the Spartans did win this game 28-6. to um, I think it was a game that a lot of people, with all the hype going into this season, was they were really expecting a blowout, I think, in a lot of ways. Um, especially, you know, you're playing an FCS school, um, you know, Division Two. Um, you know, they're not Division One. They're a team that, you know, really has struggled over the last 20 years, really just haven't had a ton of success in a lot of ways. Um, you know, and playing a, a Big Ten brute like the Spartans, you know, you would think the Spartans were going to come out and uh, really kind of lay it to them. Um, the Spartans, though, did not necessarily do that. Um, the first half, which was really a back-and-forth half, quite a sloppy half in a lot of ways, I think, from the Spartans. Um, they did lead at halftime 14 to six, um, a scoreless first quarter, um, really couldn't get anything going. Uh, Youngstown State, while not scoring, did have a 12-play drive that stalled out at Michigan State's 35-yard line. But then the Spartans followed that up with a three and out. It really wasn't a great performance first half-wise. Uh, mental mistakes, um, too many penalties. Um, you see a team that had seven penalties for 50 yards in the first half alone. And, you know, they did a much better job in the second half. Only one penalty, um, you know, in the second half, you know, which really that's a great job to see them really lock down and really do a much better job at being disciplined there, especially on the line. A lot of false starts, um, just again, mental errors. And uh, I know it's the first uh, first game of the season. You know, a lot of a lot of players are just probably very amped up for this game. Again, they've been waiting to play football for so long. Um, so much hope, so much, you know, people have such high expectations of this team for this year. And I think that could have played into some jitters, um, a little bit of nervousness when it comes to being on the ball. But, you know, I'd say the biggest things to look at for this game, what the Spartans did not do correctly, their offensive line was not that strong. Um, I think that was one of the biggest question marks kind of going into the season was how was this offensive line going to hold up? Um, they definitely show that they are going to need some work. Um, also, when you look at this, um, special teams was not the best. It just really wasn't. Um, Keyshawn Martin, you know, he muffed a punt, which would have put us on the 35-yard line around where Youngstown State is. Um, you know, just bad mistake there. Um, I mean, and don't get me wrong. Keyshawn Martin's a fantastic player. I'm not being hard on Keyshawn. It's just, you know, it's a, it's a number of errors that just the team needs to correct before they really start playing the better teams um, coming up here. Because in two weeks, you're traveling to at Notre Dame, and that is going to be a tough game. Okay, that's going to be a very tough game. Uh, we will be getting to the upcoming games soon. Um, looking on a brighter note, um, really with the Spartans, because I don't want to be negative really about this game. It was a win. The Spartans got it done. Um, yeah, it might not have been the prettiest win. Um, yes, like I said, you have your errors. You have your you know, mistakes. Um, but those are things to correct. And I think in a lot of ways... You can kind of look at this game as a preseason game. Yes, it was against a real football team. Don't get me wrong. But, it, you know, it's a game where you learn from your mistakes. And now it's time for D'Antonio and his uh, coaching staff to implement that this week and just get a little more crisp on both sides of the ball. Because the offense, the offense wasn't bad um, necessarily. You know, it just you know, it really got stalled out at times. Um, you do want to you look at uh, Kurt Cousins' numbers. Um, his numbers tell a different story. Um, he was incredibly efficient, but you see the guy's numbers and you think, well, the Spartans must have just walloped these Penguins, right? I mean, Kirk Cousins was 18 for 22. He had 222 passing yards, um, one touchdown. 
And, uh, you know, again, Andrew Maxwell came in for the final drive of the game so that he could get some reps in there. But, um, again, not an amazing game for Kirk Cousins, but a very efficient game. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of guys like to use that comment, oh, he's a game manager. But, really, Cousins did look like that. Cousins looked like someone that just really dictated the offense quite well like he's used to and found his favorite man, B.J. Cunningham. And B.J. Cunningham is someone who just did not lose a step from last season. B.J. Cunningham, in my opinion, our best receiver hands down, got it done really well in this game against Youngstown State. Um, he had nine catches for 130 yards, which was incredible. Um, you know, he had a 55-yard grab that Cousins threw to him as well. Um, Cunningham really, really getting it done on, uh, you know, that side of the ball. Just great hands, uh, making some really great catches. He did tie Matt Trannon here. Now for the most receptions in MSU school history, he tied with 148. So I'm going to go out on a limb here and say he gets one more reception in these next uh, 11 games. So um, it should be uh, B.J. Cunningham looks like he's going to do great things. Um, Cunningham saying uh, regarding his performance, uh, quote, there are a lot of great receivers on that list, and it is a blessing to be part of that group and being able to be out here doing what I do. It's always in the back of your head, but I wasn't thinking about it on the field. When I got to the sideline, people would tell me how many catches I had, end quote. Uh, B.J. Cunningham discussing um, breaking Matt Trannon's reception record here at MSU. And uh, obviously he will do it, and P.J. Cunningham is going to be a focal point of this offense and one of Cousins' favorite receivers, hands down. Uh, again, Cunningham's got great hands, and uh, he looked really good out there. So it was really nice to see that as well. On another bright note, uh, Edwin Baker um, you know, also had a very good game. Uh, you know, the, dry, uh, the running game wasn't terrible, 158 yards, um, pretty darn good. Um, you think you, you wish you could have done a little bit better job defensively stopping Youngstown State. But uh, Baker did finish with 91 yards on 15 carries. And Le'Veon Bell picked up 40 yards on nine attempts. <coughs> Excuse me. But the uh, rushing game did look good. It looked good enough. And, you know, looking ahead here for the Michigan State Spartans, they're going to have to play a better brand of uh, football against Florida Atlantic. Uh, Florida Atlantic is not some cupcake team. Um, you know, yes, we did beat them last year, 30-17 to 17 at Ford Field. It was a good game, but it was a game we let – Florida Atlantic get back in it, and that is something that they really need to avoid. So I want to ask all of our listeners at this time, uh, you saw what happened uh, this last Friday night against Youngstown State. I just want to get your opinion on what you think is the biggest improvement that these Spartans need to make. Um, going forward here in the season, what does this team need to do to get better for itself? And how are they going to look next week against the Florida Atlantic team? Phone number is 517 I'm just really curious as to, you know, all of our Spartan uh, fans out there, you know, how do they think they look this set for this Friday night? Well, you know, does it, is it any room for warning? Are we tired? Are we, do we need to get worried at this point at all? Or was it just a game where the Spartans didn't play their best football, didn't play bad football, and got a win? And that's the route. I'm going with it. I'm not going to panic at all. You know, playing a team like Youngstown State, what was at least a lot more interesting to me was how they played in the second half. You know, it's one thing to play a bad first half and a bad second half and keep making your same mistakes, but they cut down on their penalties immensely. Um, they really got it done in that sense. And I think that is the best thing to come out of this is how they did look in the second half. They played a lot better football. They played better offensively. Um, you know, Isaiah Lewis, our safety, recorded a, his first career interception, uh, interception excuse me, and, uh, you know, it was great to see. So it's just something that you want to see translate to next week against a team like Florida Atlantic which, again, we've only played them twice ever. Okay, we're 2-0 and against them. 
And yeah, that's nice. Uh, you know, you don't you don't want to have any kind of lapses going into Notre Dame your following week. You need to play good football. I don't care if it's against you know quote unquote a scrub type football team. To me, that doesn't matter. You play football and you play your best no matter who you're playing. I don't care if it's Division Three, Appalachian State. I don't care who it is. You play your best football regardless of who it is. Because if you play lax, if you don't do all the little things correctly and you think you're just going to turn it on when you decide to go play, that's not going to happen. Uh, but we do have a phone call, so uh, let's go to the phone lines. Hey, how you doing today? You're on the Spartan Sports Wrap. Hey, good. Thanks. Hey, uh, what's your name? Sorry, I didn't uh, catch it. Vince. Hey, Vince. What's going on? Not much. Um, I was just calling in to say that uh, I really enjoyed watching the game, but the only thing that bothered me was when the defense, uh, they kind of started taunting a little bit. Yes. Uh, Johnny Adams in particular. I really like him as a player, but he'd make a big hit on a, a kind of a late play, you know. Uh-huh, and you just thought, you know, just acting up too many antics, not necessary when you're playing a team like Youngstown State. Yeah. Well, let me just ask you real fast, Vince. I mean, you saw the game, obviously, Spartans winning, you know, by 22 points. Um, what is the biggest thing this team needs to work on going into next week? Um, I'd say their attitude. Okay. Now, do you say that because they've had so much, you know, so much hype going into this season? You know, a great year last year, obviously a terrible bowl game. But do you think maybe they're a little cocky right now? Yeah, they're just congratulating themselves on defensive plays that aren't, aren't really that good. Okay. Well, no, I mean, I definitely can understand that, Vince. I appreciate the phone call. Thanks a lot. Have a good one. Thank you. Well, no, yeah, that is true. It's a good point. Uh, the Spartans do need to uh, they need to work on their attitude to a degree. I mean, and that's a team. I mean, that's any team or any program, any you go NFL, anything you want. Teams that haven't had that type of success in a while, and the Spartans had it last year. They hadn't had a season like that in 20 years in a lot of ways. Okay, maybe they had it with Nick Saban one year. Yeah, but really, this is the best season they've had in a long time. And they really can't get ahead of themselves because they still haven't earned anything. They did win a share of the Big Ten title last year, which is great. But that's last year. And, you know, that's, that's not going to be something Spartan fans are going to want to cling to. Is I remember that in 2010, we, we won a share of the Big Ten title. And then we become an 8-4, and 7-5 and five ball club the coming years. I don't think we will become that. But there's a certain level of attitude, as our caller Vince just said, that, you know, really needs to be there. If the Spartans can't respect their opponents, then you know what? They're not respecting themselves because that's when teams get into trouble, when you underestimate who you're playing. And I don't care who it is, like I said before, whether it's a Florida Atlantic or if you're playing Central Michigan, okay, on September 24th. Central beat us last year, and that is not called for. Not last year, excuse me, two years ago in 09. No one thought we'd lose that game, but we did, okay? You don't take an opponent lightly. Let's go to the phone lines again. Hey, how you doing? You're on the Spartan Sports Wrap. Hey, what's up, man? Hey, I was at the game, watching it, loved it. Uh, thought it was great that they sold out the stadium. It's a phenomenal night in electrical football. Yes. But, um, I was really worried the fact that the Spartans could not stop the run game. Yes. Uh, those two backs that they had, um, they just pushed them down the field. And I'm like looking at this and I'm like, don't we have an all-Big Ten defense going on? And they just couldn't get it together. To, and, and quite honestly, Youngstown State, for the running game, all, almost all those yards that they uh, they grabbed and just pushed the Spartans around for time of possession was run game. Yeah, it, 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 it was literally like like Youngstown State was playing was playing traditional Big Ten offense, grinding it out. And it, it had had they been able to execute on some touchdowns uh, when they got in the, the, uh, the red zone, this would have been a whole different ball game. Well, no, I definitely agree, man. Hey, I didn't catch your name. What's your name? Ted. 
Hey, Ted. Um, no, I definitely agree with that. I mean, uh, 128 yards put up by Youngstown State here, um, rushing, which is just not not getting it done. Beyond the rushing, it, be loud. <laughs> it just shouldn't be. I agree. Um, especially clock possession. I mean, you watch that first quarter, I'm thinking the Spartans have barely had this football, um, you know, a 12-play, you know, just like eight-minute drive. I know the Youngstown State got, you know, held up at the 35, but still um, c- controlling the clock. And Other than the rushing game, Ted, I mean, what does this team need to go into next week and fix? I mean, I think, I, I think realistically they've got to really get, uh, I mean, almost, it's like you say, going to get back to clock management. The idea that they can just rely on B.J. Cunningham and Keaton and, and just, just, just those two, two guys is they've really got to be able to run the clock because if you end up playing against an explosive team, um, you're going to end up with some quick points put up on you, and all of a sudden we're, we're playing from, from behind again. And I don't, you know, even though this is a more mature team, I'm not sure from watching last year that we're, we can really depend on, on coming from behind all the time. No, I definitely agree. And, Ted, I really appreciate the phone call. Awesome. Thanks, man. Thank you. No, but that's a great point. Um, you know, you look at last season, yes, this team was 11-2, and a horrible bowl game playing a team that was way better than us. That was not a 9-3 and Alabama team. Okay, they they blew up. They blown a game against the champions, Auburn. They should have won that game. They lost a tough game to South Carolina, and they lost to LSU. They played a murderer's row-type schedule, it seems like every team in the SEC does. But they were way better. But you look at the Spartans, and you look at games like Purdue, and games like Northwestern, and games like Notre Dame. Those are three games right there that easily the Spartans could have lost. Easily. This team so easily could have been 8-4 and four last season. And I think people seem to forget that at times. When you were down 17 to nothing to Northwestern before the first half was over, and the Spartans pulled off an incredible comeback, and I'm not taking anything away from that. Okay? A great little Giants play against Notre Dame under the lights last season. Fantastic. But as our caller Ted just said, this is nothing you can rely on. You can't rely on mousetrap, little Giants, and trick plays, and heroics in the final quarter of a football game to get you to win games. Okay, we played Wisconsin great last year. We beat them. We played well. We played Michigan great last year. But why are we struggling against teams like Purdue? Why were we struggling against Northwestern? Don't get me wrong. Northwestern was seven and six last year. They're not a scrub team. I think Dan Persis probably one of the best quarterbacks in the Big Ten, hands down. But there's no excuse to be a team with ten and being a ten and one team and going into Northwestern and struggling that much and having to put on that type of theatrics just to win the game. That is something they definitely need to work on. And Ted's exactly right when he says that because that is not going to work. When you go and you play at Ohio State, I'm sorry, it's not going to happen. You play at Nebraska, October 29th, not going to happen. You can't have those kinds of errors. And not only can you not have those kinds of errors, you could say the same thing for the NBA, any sport. You get down that much early, baseball, anything, good luck. Because you got a mountain to climb. And if it's against a good program, if it's against a good ball club, a good team, well, good luck again. Good luck pulling that off. Because you know what? Last year, we, you know, it seemed like there was some magic to the Spartan season. That this wasn't something, it almost seemed destined. You know, D'Antonio having the very unfortunate heart attack. This team rallying together. You know, a great win, you know, against Notre Dame. You know, great win the week after. And that's great to see. There was a sense of magic in the air. But you can't rely. Magic dissipates. And you can't rely on that to take you season through season. The Spartans have one of the best chances. They have one of the best teams, in my opinion, than they had last year. I think the Spartans have a better team. 
They have a more experienced team. You have a three-year, uh, you know, starter in Cousins here, who you know, you know, master of efficiency. We have probably one of the best running backs cores in the country with Baker, Bell, Caper, Martin, Cunningham, Linthicum, Lippet looks like he's going to be, you know, a great talent for us. You know, Keith Nichols still getting it done out there. We have a really good team. We have great defensive pieces in Jarrell Worthy and Tyler Hoover and William Golson, who should really come out this season and be a stud. Okay? You got a guy in Max Below who I want to almost give the game ball to because I think Max Below played with the most ferocity and played the best football that night on the field. He had 15 tackles in his first career start, 11 of those in the first half, and six alone on the first drive of the game. Max Below looked great. Okay, he looked great. Obviously, the apple does not far, fall far from that Below tree because that blood, that football blood, runs deep in that family. And Max Below, anyone had question marks about Greg Jones going to the NFL, going to the Giants, thinking, how are we going to fill that linebacker position up? What are we going to do with that spot? Well, you know what? Max Below, he just smashed it and earned it in one outing. This kid last year had a total of 23 tackles in 13 games. And 13 of those were on special teams, so he played a lot of special teams. You look out there last night, he's a beast. Max Below is an absolute beast. And I think he looked fantastic out there. And quite frankly, I want to give the game ball to this kid who in his first career start just looked like he'd been out there for four years doing it like Greg Jones was doing it last year. I think the kid looked great out there, and I was very, very happy to see that because that's a situation. That was one of the question marks with this team. What do we do with that now? You know, you got probably Danikos Allen there to his left. You got, you, got, you got moves you can make. And I'm just very happy to see Max Below come out and do exactly what we thought he was capable of. All these coaches, Narduzzi, everyone's high on this kid. He's a smart kid. He's got football in his blood, like I said again. I mean, and again, if you guys did not tune in to last, last week's show, Hank Below, the godfather himself, the legend was here, his, his grandfather. His father, Shane Below, played linebacker as well from 83 to 86 on the Spartans. His uncle was a linebacker from 88 to 91, now a Cleveland Browns assistant coach. His uncle from his mother's side, Bobby Morrissey, he was a running back from 83 to 86. This family has more blood running, football blood running through it than I've seen in a long time. And I'm just very happy to have this kid on the team. I think he's got a great heart. He's smart. And I'm just happy to see Max Below. Max Below, you get the game ball, in my opinion, because you played with a lot of heart out there. Um, also, on another good note, I know this was discussed um, Friday night. And it was a surprise, I think, to a lot of people. And it was definitely a surprise to Arthur Ray Jr. And Arthur Ray Jr. is a, is a gentleman who had a long battle with leg cancer. Um, you know, he shortly uh, received the news that he had cancer in his leg uh, when he enrolled at MSU in 2007 and just was not able to play. Um, obviously, he couldn't. He had to, it was a long recovery process. Um, he had surgery to remove the tumor on the top of his bone near his left calf. You know, it was, it was a successful surgery. But you just don't come back from that very fast. But uh, Joel Foreman, who is um, a left, the left guard here for Michigan State, um, a gentleman uh, without a doubt, uh, did not start the game here on Friday night. He took himself out and gave teammate Arthur A. Jr. his first collegiate start. And finally, after all these years, after all the battles, after all the chemo, after everything, he gave him that chance. And that, to me, uh, just means a lot. And you saw it on Arthur Ray's face, and I think you saw it throughout the entire stadium that night of what that meant. 
And I think doing something like that, um, just so completely unselfish, Joel Foreman, who has started so many consecutive games for this football team, stepped aside and said, you know what, this kid deserves it, and we're going to get him out there. And he was out there, and it was great to see. It was great to see his family that came out. His family did not know, he did not know, that you were going to start. And D'Antonio, right before the game, before the pregame meal, told Ray, quote, young man, you were going to start your first college football game, end quote. And, you know, Ray says, quote, if you're going to send me out there, I'm going to try and bang as many people as possible, end quote. And that's exactly it. I think this kid's got a great spirit um, to battle back from cancer like that, from football being something that you wanted to do your whole life and to be sidelined from that because of a very debilitating injury and to get that chance out there and to see him on the field. That warmed my heart up. And I think that's the kind of that's the kind of attitude that you need to see from the Spartans. They obviously treat their own great. Well, you know what? Show the same respect as well, though, to your opponents. Because you know what? We're all just athletes out there, and it's a game. Yeah, it's exciting, and we all get jazzed up about it, and it's important. It's what we're talking about on Friday nights, about that game coming up on Saturday. But when it all comes down to it, most of us and all most of those football players, they won't play in the NFL. They'll play. They'll get a job doing something else and you know, leave, leave a regular life. A regular life. You know, but I just think that we're all humans. I think we need to, I think, you know, a great point was brought up with that attitude check because you don't want to get too cocky no matter who you are and how good you're doing because all it takes is one injury. All it takes is one bad call, one bad, you know, one one unlucky shot, one botched catch, one who knows what. And then, you know, it all can turn around on a dime. So respect your opponents and that'll help you to respect yourself even more. Um, we are going to take a quick break here on the Spartan Sports Wrap because I am thirsty. Uh, but when we do get back, uh, we are going to be talking just a little bit more about what took place here over the weekend in college football. Um, pretty much a clean slate for the top 25, but there were some upsets, and we'll get to those. Also going to be talking a little Detroit Lions. They finished their last preseason game this Thursday with the Buffalo Bills. 4-0. So does that mean 0-16? Or 16 and 0. We will see. We'll also get to the Tigers now extending their lead even farther in the in the Central Division, looking great out there, putting a shellacking on the Chicago White Sox last night on national TV. We got a little indie car for you. Hopefully, some tennis. Got a half hour left, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap here on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. For some high school students, school can be a dangerous place. A lot of gamers look at you as a game member, too. For some, just being in school can be a struggle. I wouldn't go to school. I didn't care about what my mom said. My mom would tell me, like, what are you doing for yourself? You're not doing nothing. But despite all the obstacles, inside every high school student is a graduate. People look down on you if you don't have a diploma. I want to graduate because they say I won't. Go to BoostUp.org and find out how you can help a friend, a son, a daughter finish high school. BoostUp.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Army and the Ad Council. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Tuesday nights from 8 until midnight, the Impact's progressive torch and twang brings you the best in alternative country and grassroots music. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. 
What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Dave Rinke here with you. Got about a half hour left. We're on the Spartan Sports Wrap here. That's right, 88.9 exposure. Um, we just were talking about the last half hour, how the Spartans fared in their first game, kind of what they need to do looking forward here, some of the errors they had, some of the good things they did. Um, again, this wasn't some horrible game. The Spartans won. They won by 22. But just kind of looking ahead to see how they will do. So if anyone still has any comments, concerns, questions regarding the Spartans in this game, um, just give me a call, 517-432-3893. Uh, um, but again, Michigan State will be playing Florida Atlantic. That will be next Saturday, okay, at noon. Uh, it's going to be at home here. So, you know, should be a good win. Again, we won 30-17 to last year against the uh, Florida Atlantic Owls. Maybe we'll play the gerbils the next week. But uh, moving forward, looking at college football in general, um, the top 25 really had their way with most of the teams they played, as usual. Um, most of these teams, you know, the top 25 teams play cupcake FCS teams or just not good teams. Um, but really looking at it down the line, you know, Oklahoma beat Tulsa. Alabama had their way with Kent State. Um, in an interesting game, LSU um, beat Oregon. Uh, Oregon ranked three preseason, LSU four. LSU uh, came away 40-26. to in that game, which uh, it seemed to be a quite a lot of riddled with mistakes, Oregon, a lot of turnovers in this ball game. Um, I do see them turning it around. LSU, a uh, very tough matchup for a first game of the season, but LSU coming away with the victory there. Um, another big game, Boise State playing uh, Georgia. Boise State, uh, preseason number five. Always a team that is dangerous to possibly go 12-0 and and then not have a chance to play in the national championship game. But uh, Boise State did win 35-21 to against Georgia. Georgia preseason 19th seed. So uh, nice to see Boise. Always like those Broncos um, getting it done. Um, just down the line, top six, Florida State owned um, Louisiana. Um, Stanford beat San Jose State. Texas A&M slaughtered SMU. Oak State won Nebraska 40-7 to against Chattanooga. Wisconsin absolutely owning UNLV. Russell Wilson looking like a monster out there. Not going to be fun when we have to play this, these guys October 22nd. But they did win 51-17. to So, yeah, Wisconsin uh, really just having their way. South Carolina, high-scoring game against ECU. South Carolina winning 56-37. to uh, Virginia Tech absolutely destroying Appalachian State. And in another upset, Baylor uh, defeats TCU. Uh, TCU preseason ranked 14th. Uh, they lose to Baylor 50 50- to 48 in uh, absolute slugfest. Um, you know, Baylor uh, really letting TCU kind of get back in that game, but Baylor still coming away with the victory. So congratulations to the Baylor Bears there. Um, in another upset, South Florida. I don't really consider this much of an upset, but uh, South Florida does beat Notre Dame 23 to 20. Notre Dame ranked 16th, not anymore. Um, the rankings have not come out yet because uh, Maryland and Miami do still need to play this evening because of lightning and everything else that's interrupted games over this last weekend. So the top 25 rankings, the new ones, uh, will not be released until tomorrow if anyone is wondering why they haven't released those yet. But yeah, beyond that, um, pretty much the rest of the game's going as is. The only other real interesting game to speak of would be Auburn and Utah State. Um, Utah State having a 10-point lead with really like seven, eight minutes left in the fourth quarter and just absolutely not being able to hold on at all, losing 42-38 to in a game where, I mean, I think they had Auburn's number most of the game, could not hold on for this one. Auburn wins again, 42-38 is your final score. 
So that's really what your top 25 look like. USC barely getting by Minnesota, 19-17. to 17. Um, Pretty much all Big Ten teams winning. Again, Wisconsin slaughtering UNLV. Nebraska beating Chattanooga. Um, yeah, everyone just beating who they were playing. A lot of these, Purdue barely did get by Middle Tennessee, um, but they still won. Uh, Minnesota, I believe, is the only Big Ten team to lose. Uh, but the Gophers, yeah, they're the Gophers. <laughs> Three and nine last season. They've had their moments, but the Gophers are nothing to write home about. But uh, we are going to move on here to uh, the Detroit Lions. And the Lions, um, you know, they played uh, this last Thursday against the Buffalo Bills at Buffalo. And uh, it was their final preseason game, and the Lions won. Lions won that game 16-6. to um, You know, it was a... It was a Decent win. It was a preseason game again. And preseason games, I never want to put much cloud into them because they're preseason. And a game like that, I mean, you basically had like one series with the starters. The rest of it, they're trying to find spots. They got to cut guys. They got to had to get the roster down to 53 players here by Saturday. So they had a lot of decisions to make, a lot of battles still going on, whether it was between Nick Harris, Ryan Donahue for the punting, you know, kicker position. There's just a lot going on in this game. Um, a lot of decisions having to be made regarding running backs. Um, but the Lions did get it done. Uh, Matt Stafford looking incredible. Um, starts off the game with a 39-yard strike out to Calvin Johnson. Calvin making a great catch. You just put the ball in his vicinity, and the boy picks it up. He's an amazing player. Um, here's something impressive. At least this is something I can take away from the preseason. Um, you, you look at Matt Stafford's passer rating. He had 154.7 preseason passer rating. He threw for 25 of 33 395 yards and five touchdowns, no picks. Absolutely flawless in many ways. Absolutely flawless. Matt Stafford looking incredible out there. And another big thing to see, I mean, this is really what I like to see. Jerome Harrison did rush for 72 yards on seven carries um, through two separate quarters here. Um, He had a nice long run as well. So it was good to see Jerome Harrison getting it done. Uh, Mike Bell being cut from the team. Um, He's not going to be playing with them uh, coming up here. Uh, he just wasn't doing it. Mike Bell just was not doing it. But guess what? The Lions actually have a couple of new faces um, on the practice field this Monday here in Allen Park. Um, the Lions now have Keelan Williams. Um, we claimed him off waivers here from the Washington Redskins. We also picked up offensive guard Jacques McClendon, and we got him from the Colts. And they also replaced running back Aaron Brown, who was cut this last weekend, and uh, Chris Morris, who was the center guard. So that's who they picked. That's why they picked up Williams and picked up McClendon. Um, They cut Aaron Brown. They cut Chris Morris. Um, Williams, uh, this guy from Washington, he's 25 years old, 5'11". He's 230 pounds, um, basically a power runner in a lot of ways, kind of has a lot of attributes that you could say Mikel LaShore had. Uh, This is really a guy I think we're looking to replace that with. Um, He played in 15 games last season. Um, He had 265 yards on 65 carries. Um, Nothing incredibly impressive, but nothing that bad at all. Um, You know, again, he was with the Redskins, so what can you really expect? And um, I guess McClendon, who they picked up, Deshaun McClendon, he's an absolute beast. He's 6'3", 324 pounds. Um, They're really thinking he's going to be an amazing, strong run blocker for us. So it is good to see that the Lions did make some moves there after making their cuts, as you knew they would. They had to make some changes. Um, Kyle uh, Vandenbosch, who's you know our defensive end, 
who has been out the last two weeks with a bruised shoulder. He was back at practice this Monday, uh, as well with uh, running back Maurice Morris, who missed all of camp with a broken hand. He was practicing with no cast. So good to see Maurice. Um, looked like he's getting ready to go. Um, Alfonso Smith also practiced for the first time after he had a broken foot and missed all of training camp as well. Um, still, The guys that are still out, Nick Fairley, Jason Fox. Um, these guys both have foot injuries, and you know they don't have an exact timetable on really when these guys will be ready to go. Obviously, I think we're all excited to see Nick Fairley and what he can do for this team. Um, he had an amazing, amazing season at Auburn, and it just we wanted to get him out on the field. I don't think the injury is not very serious. Again, it was a broken foot. They were saying the recovery time was going to take him to basically the start of the season. So he might not be ready for game one this Sunday, but he should be ready soon enough. So uh, good to see the Lions making some moves, doing what they had to do there. And a uh, quick little recap. If I mean, I think everyone knows about this, but uh, since we didn't talk about it last week because it was all Big Ten football, uh, the Lions kicked the Patriots' butt. Absolutely making the Patriots look embarrassed out there on the field. Um, I believe they went 34-10 to was the final score. And uh, if any preseason game, I guess, meant anything, it meant beating up on the New England Patriots, a team that had put up 45-plus points pretty much on their last two opponents, looking absolutely dominant. And we came in there, and i got to admit, we looked good. Uh, team really looked good, whether it was the first stringers, the second, or the third. The Lions looked impressive. And again, I don't like putting much of anything into preseason football games. But that means something to me when you really show up the Patriots like that. And I think it's a, it's for good it's good things to see coming up here. And that's what I want to ask our listeners, okay? I want to hear from you. How are the Lions going to do this year? I want a win total. Give me wins and losses. What do you see for this team? Are they a 10 and 6 ball club, win a wild card spot? Are they barely going to miss the wild card, maybe be 8 and 8, 9 and 7? Or some of those lion slappies out there thinking twelve and four. Uh, give me a phone call. Give me a phone call. Five one seven four three two thirty eight ninety three is the number. I'm curious to see what you guys think of these Detroit Lions because this again you kind of look at the Spartans. You know a lot of hype going into this season. A lot of hype going into the season for the Detroit Lions. Whether it's Peter King talking about us making the Super Bowl potentially or winning the wild card, analysts just jumping on board as quick as they can. Um, you know, the media, um, fans in general calling. I mean, this team was 6-10. and 10, like People are calling for 10, 11 wins. I mean, what do you think? Can this team do that? And that's the question mark with the Detroit Lions, in my opinion, is not only can they win some of these tough games, especially playing some really tough games where you're going to have to play at New Orleans. You know, you're going to have to play at Dallas. You're going to have to play at Minnesota. I mean, not easy games. At Tampa Bay to kick the season off. Um, How can they handle this pressure? You know, the Lions have been a team that have been beaten down for a decade. Uh, Absolutely beaten down. Okay, I mean, you know, Matt Millen took his foot and slammed every Detroit Lions player's face into the ground and fan for a whole decade. And we were just numb and blind to just the complete atrocity of what that football team was for so many years. But now they seem to be on their way up. Tom Lewin, Marty Mayhew, um, the guys who are in the front office are doing a great job down there. Um, They've had some very successful drafts and they have a quarterback that they believe is a franchise quarterback. And again, it's something that, you know, you wonder Obviously, can Matt Stafford stay healthy? Can he not? Who knows? Um, that is the question mark. Everyone's like, well, if Matt Stafford stays healthy, if he stays healthy, we'll, we'll win like 10, 12 games. Well, who knows? What if he stays healthy and Sue gets injured? Or what if he stays healthy and we lose two running backs? You just don't know. Okay, but that's why I'm curious as to think your preseason, your predictions here for the Lions regular season, 517-432-3893. 
Because looking at the way this team needs to start off the season, they got to come out the gates. And I think this game this Sunday is more important for the Detroit Lions than it is for the Tampa Bay Bucks. Uh, the Lions did win last year against the Buccaneers. Um, you know, it was a very good game. It was an exciting game. But, it, you know, it was a very close game. And uh, the Lions still won it, which is the important thing, of course. But playing this game, uh, Josh Freeman, in my opinion, is probably the best young quarterback in the league in a lot of ways. Will he be better in the future than Matt Stafford? I think so. I personally do. I think Josh Freeman's a stud. Um, Last year he threw for almost 3,500 yards, had 25 touchdowns, and only six picks. Uh, Tampa Bay, young team. And Mike Williams, one of his favorite receivers last season, for 65 catches, 964 yards, um, looking good. And how will the Lions come out against the Bucs? It's a tough road game. It's a tough road game to open the season. And, you know, how will they come out? It's, it's going to be very interesting, um, interesting to me to see a team. They did win 23-20 to last year. You know, I, that was our first road win in 29 attempts. Okay, it was, a, it was a great thing to get off the schneid at not ever being able to win on the road. But they did get it done last year. Can they do it this year? Personally, I think the Lions start off with a loss, unfortunately. I, I think they bounce back against Kansas City the next week at home. I really do. I think, you know, Matt Castle, who might not even be ready to go necessarily for week two because they're not thinking he's going to be ready for the, the week uh, season one opener. Uh, you know, so we'll see. But personally, I think the Lions, they just don't get it done this weekend against Tampa Bay. I really want them to. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to knock the Lions. I'm not trying to say that they're some bad team. But I still believe that this team is going to have to go through growing pains. And I think that they're going to have to learn. They're going to, have, they're, they're going to learn a lot about themselves this season. This is a young team still. Trust me, this team is going to have a lot of this same talent for a while to come. But it just really depends on how they can handle all the, all the, all the pub. Everyone thinking that they're going to be great. Everyone, everyone, they're the sexy pick for the wild card. Everyone wants to pick the Lions. How can they stand up to that? How can they stand up to that after maybe winning a few games in a row and then playing the tough games of their season? Because after Tampa Bay, it's Kansas City at home, then you go at Minnesota, at Dallas, and then Chicago for your Monday night football game, which is going to be huge. Huge stage for the Lions. More pressure on the Lions, hands down, than the Bears when talking about that Monday night football game. And again, when you have to play the NFC South, that is not an easy division. I know there's not too many easy divisions in the NFL, but the NFC South is one of them that really scares me. Atlanta, in my opinion, probably could be a Super Bowl team quite easily. Never can count out the New Orleans State and Drew Brees. They got, a, they got a great team going on there. And at New Orleans, tough game. You got to play Green Bay twice, Super Bowl defending champions. Tough. They have a tough schedule. And not only that, but having to travel out west. Everyone rags about the AFC West, weak division. You know what? The Lions have never played well traveling out west. And that's still the issue. You still got to play the Chargers. You got to go travel at the Raiders. Maybe Terrell Pryor, you know, get a tattoo before the game. Who knows? But there's some tough games at Denver. You have a lot of tough ball games. This is just a, it's not as tough of a schedule as last year. It's not. Last year's schedule was more difficult having to play the AFC East, um, you know, which is a beast of a division. But the NFC South is what scares me. And to start a game off on the road against Tampa Bay, I think you're really going to see what kind of moxie these uh, Detroit Lions have. Because they got a lot on their table, a lot on their plate, excuse me, when it comes to the expectations of this season. And is this team just reverting back, potentially? Are they reverting back? I, we don't know. They haven't played yet. Okay, 4-0 in the preseason. The last time they went 4-0 in the preseason, 0-16 in the regular season. Trust me, that is not going to happen this year. The Lions are not going to go 0-16. The Lions, aren't gonna, the Lions are going to win more than six games. They will win more than six games. They had the potential to win more last year. They could have, okay, but they didn't. 
tough losses to New York, tough loss to Green Bay. You know, but uh, we're going to go to the phone lines real fast. Hey, John, you're on the Spartan Sports Wrap. How's it going? Uh, pretty good. Yeah, I was listening about the Lions, and uh, I'm, uh, I've been listening to the Lions for so many years that I don't even know what to think anymore. But uh, <laughs> there's always hope, and that's all I ever hear at the beginning of every season. There's always hope, and uh, it seems like this year it's more hope than the year before and the year before. I don't know. I, I, well, let me I ask re- you. I have to agree with you on one thing. I think they're going to lose against Tampa Bay. I really, I, I believe that, and I, I think they're going to win against Kansas City. But uh, for for them to be, uh, uh, I think they're going to be like a 500 team. Yeah, you think they're going to be eight and eight? Yeah. I mean, personally, that's what I think as well. I think the Lions uh, will be eight and eight. I do. I will not be shocked in the least if they're nine and seven. I mean, when I say eight and eight, that means they could be seven and nine, or they really could be nine and seven. But I think they'll be eight and eight. Yeah, I, I think, you know, and a lot depends, like you said, about the injuries. I mean, we don't know. I mean, what happens if Stephanie gets hit? I mean, one time and falls down and uh, and he's out for the season. I, I don't know. You know, that's something I have to see. Uh, can he hold up? I don't know. Well, no, and that's the thing. And I think John Gruden, he made a great point. They were talking on Monday Night Football last week, you know, Ron Jaworski, and they were discussing the Detroit Lions. And the whole thing was, you know, right, if Stafford can stay healthy. And you know what John Gruden said? Stafford hasn't stayed healthy. So why does everyone? So why does everyone believe that he's going to have some magical health, you know, injury-free year? No, he has. He's proven to me a few games here and there, but he he hasn't proven to me a season. I mean, exactly. He's never been there, and that's why I'm waiting for him to get hit, and I want to see what's going to happen. Is he going to get back up, or or is he going to be out? And then one thing leads to another, and then here we go again. Well, no, exactly. I mean, I mean, that's why I think there's a lot of question marks, and I think it's a little too lofty to ro- go out there and say this team is going to go 12, ten and six and eleven and five. Because, as you said, that's been every year. Even if this team was 4-12, and 12, people thought they were going to come out and be 8-8 eight and eight the next year. Every year, no matter how bad the Lions were the year before, people always think they're going to bounce back and be some great team. And I think they have the most potential this year. Yeah, and you know what? I've been praying for it for a lot of years. 50 years, your whole life, right? I, yeah. Whole life. So, But, uh, John, I do really appreciate the call, but we got another call, so we got to go, all right? All right. All right, thanks a lot for the call. All right. All right, bye. Bye-bye. Hey, what's going on, Dan? You're on the Spartan Sports Wrap. Hey, man, how's it going? Good, how you doing? I'm doing great. So, uh, what um, are you calling in about? I'm calling in about the Lions thing. I was just listening to you guys talk, and uh, I think you guys are crazy about the uh, Tampa Bay game. I think they're going to dominate, man. Do you think they're going to kill them? Dude, I'm, I'm being, I know you're saying every year people are being optimistic, man, but, I mean, I'm feeling it this year. Once Nick Fraley's healthy, and uh, I think we got, one of the best defensive lines in the nation. I think we do. I do agree with that for sure. So what do you think is the difference going to be in this Tampa Bay game? I mean, I know we beat them last year, and, you know, that was great. Uh, what do you think the difference is week one this year for us? Honestly, on that level, I just think Matt Stafford is going to dominate. I'm hoping he's going to stay healthy. Uh, I, I mean, I can't really tell you the difference. I'm just being really optimistic, man. No, okay, that's great. No, I mean, and listen, I mean, it was a tough call for me to go against the Lions here in week one because, I mean, it, I think it's going to be such a close game personally. It could go either way. I think you're going to see him a quite similar game to last year um, in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. But let me just ask your opinion real fast, Dan. Um, optimism's great. Um, you know, it's also good to kind of stay steadfast and, you know, in the realm, realm of reality. What do you give the Lions for overall record at the end of the season? 9-7 and seven or 10-6, they're either going to get the wild card or just miss it. Or just but. miss it? If they're going to make the playoffs, it's a wild card for sure. 
No, I definitely agree. They're not going to beat Green Bay out for the division. But um, yeah, nine and seven. I mean, that's, that's Aaron Rodgers is too dominant. Aaron Rodgers and that team are too good. But, they, um, they are too good. And then one question: uh, Do you think uh, MSU uh, will back to back title this year? Uh, you know what? Personally, I don't. I want them to. I, I think that with their tough schedule, that they're going to fall just short. But if they can win at Nebraska, or let's yeah. say, or if they can win, if they can make sure they can beat Wisconsin at home, I think they have mm-hmm. a really good shot at winning back-to-back yeah. titles. I honestly think that if we beat Ohio State in the fifth week, that could really tell where our season's going. If we lose, that could – I mean, if we win that game, that could give us a lot of motivation. It really could because of... the team goes into a bye week after that to get to relax, and then this is going to be the deciding three games. They, go, they play Michigan, Wisconsin, at Nebraska. That mm-hmm. will be your stretch of the season that will this team be 9-3 and three, or will they be 11-1 and one maybe? Yeah. You know, so that's right. going to be there. Dan, I really appreciate the phone call. Thanks a lot. Yeah, man. Thanks for taking it. All right, bye. See ya. But yeah, I mean, it's going to be a great season of football, college, NFL. Um, a lot of hope, a lot of excitement going into both uh, franchises, both ball clubs, if you want to say in a lot of ways. So I'm just excited for that. Again, Tampa Bay, Detroit Lions, Sunday, 1 o'clock, Fox. Uh, check it out if you want because I know I'm going to be watching it. But let's move to the Detroit Tigers real fast because you got to give a team. See, we're talking about two teams right now. That have played once played one game, one hasn't played any when it comes to regular season. Let's talk about a team that's just about locked up their division and about to win their first pennant in 24 years. The Detroit Tigers are now 79 and 62. They have a seven and a half game lead up on the Cleveland Indians and an eight and a half game lead on the Chicago White Sox. Minnesota and Kansas City drowning there in the bottom of the AL Central, 20 and a half games back and 21 games back. So the Detroit Tigers have really at this point extended this division. Um, They have played fantastic baseball over the last couple weeks. Um, Just fantastic. And I know we didn't talk much about baseball last week, but looking back to last, uh, you know, um, not last Monday, but the Monday before that, they had won three out of four against Tampa Bay. Um, You know, that's when JV got his win 19 on Monday night two weeks ago against Jeff Neiman. Um, The Tigers did have a tough loss in 10 innings on that Wednesday 3-2, but they still won three out of four against Tampa Bay on the road. Um, A really good ball club, a team that if they weren't in the AL East, quite frankly, would probably win the division. So uh, great to see that, you know, Tigers got it done there against Tampa Bay. And then they won two out of three against the Twins um, two weeks ago, Friday through Sunday. Verlander again getting win 20. He just can't not win. He wins no matter what. Um, it was a great, it was a nice win. It wasn't his best outing, but the Tigers, the bats came through enough for him, got the win six to four, went seven and a third. So nice to see there from Verlander. Um, and then looking at the series that took place here, actually starting last Monday to the end of this week, uh, the Detroit Tigers play the Kansas City Royals here. Uh, and that was a Monday through Thursday series. And on Monday, Tigers got the loss nine to five. Scherzer just did not look good. He went three innings, gave up. Two stri- only had two strikeouts, one walk, gave up seven earned runs and ten hits in three innings. Scherzer really not looking good there, but we'll get on to a better-looking Scherzer here quite soon. On Tuesday, the Tigers did win 2-1 to one in, ten e- in ten innings. Um, it was a great 
Um, great outing. Uh, Fisher, he was perfect through six innings. Uh, had a perfect game going. Gave up a double to Alex Gordon in the seventh. So he went six in the third with a perfect game. Uh, Mags did hit the, the tying RBI single in the eighth. And then our boy Ramon Santiago, walk-off home run in the tenth. Um, only his fourth home run of the season, but Santiago playing lights out these days. Um, and Jim Leland really choosing the, the perfect times to use this kid. So that's great to see. Um, you look at Wednesday's game, it was a 5-4 to four, uh, victory here. Uh, Valverde got his 40th consecutive save on Wednesday. Tigers winning 5-4. to four. Um, Tigers playing good come from behind baseball. They won, uh, scored three runs in the eighth inning to take the lead. Um, you know, Austin Jackson, and if I can't say anything more about a Tiger, Austin Jackson um, has been playing so fantastic. He was 4-for-4 four four last Wednesday. You know, he was 3-for-5 a couple days ago. He's had, like, three home runs in the last, like, six games. He's been playing fantastic. Uh, you can tell he's he's really developing more power. So to all you slappies out there that were so bummed out about Granderson being traded, I'm sorry. I know Granderson's having a heck of a season out there in New York, and I don't want to take anything away from that. But Austin Jackson is the future of this ball club. He's young. He's a better defensive uh, center fieldman. And if he can develop just a little bit more power, hitting roughly maybe 15 to even like 18 home runs a season, trust me, he is going to be worth every penny of that trade. And getting Max Scherzer as well, that trade was worth every cent. Great move. Looking at Thursday, we started off uh, Thursday, actually, excuse me, was the makeup game from the May 15th game with Kansas City that got rained out. Tigers lose 11 to 8. Uh, Tigers did get the go ahead. Um, in the seventh inning, but could not hold on to it. The bullpen came in. Coke looked awful. Um, walked a guy, hit a guy, gave up a double. Then Luis Marte has to come come in, a rookie, a, little, a kid, and he inherits two runners. Tigers lose 11-8. Um, nonetheless, still played a great, you know, split the series with KC, which maybe you liked like two out of uh, three out of four, but. I'm not going to be too down about that. Getting into the more important series, uh, Friday we started a series off with the Chicago White Sox. And this was a series which had a lot of implications. You know, at that time we were about five, I think five and a half games, um, Chicago was five and a half games behind us. So even if we got swept, it would only be two and a half. But that's just treading too, I think treading too lightly here with about 21 games left. And the Tigers took care of business. Uh, they took care of business as a team that is ready to make a playoff run. Um, the Tigers on Friday night won 8-1 to one, uh, with JV getting his 21st win of the season. He's 21-5 and five, um, at this point. Uh, Justin Verlander, absolutely, I mean, the Cy Young is his. Um, in, in every way possible, the Cy Young is Justin Verlander's. He's pitched 223 innings. He's only given up 49 walks with 224 strikeouts. He's got a .91 whip. Batters are batting 192 against him, okay? His ERA is 2.34. He's got 224 strikeouts. He is playing absolutely incredible. He's won nine straight. His last loss came on July 15th against the White Sox. He can't lose. And I just want to congratulate JV for getting to win 21 there. Um, He's first in every category in the AL except complete games. He's first in every category. And only in complete games. And he'll never catch James Shields. Shields has 11 complete games, which actually ties Randy Johnson for that record in 1999. But beyond that, he's leading absolutely everything else. And with a win percentage of almost 81% when he takes the mound this season, which to me is one of the most impressive stats that he has. Um, He's always been a strikeout machine. But congratulations, JV. Always, always doing it up good. On Saturday, a game that I think many people remember for a long time, uh, but we are going to go to the phone lines real fast. Let's go to our caller. Hey, Frank, you're on the Spartan Sports Wrap. How are you doing? All right, good. I, I hear you talking about the Tigers, huh? That's right. 
Yeah, well, you know what? I was just wanting to know. I want your opinion. I mean, are the are the Tigers are they peaking maybe too early? I mean, they're playing phenomenal. I can't believe they're coming back in late innings. Everybody's hitting. I mean, eighteen to uh, what two the other day? I mean, today they won uh, four to two. I mean, uh, are, are, is it too early? I mean, do we not have at a all? Chance? Not at all. It's this is actually exactly what you want to see. This is exactly what you want with the ball club because you want to peak in September. And I won't even call it peaking necessarily, but it's like everything is finally clicking. All you know, all all oil, everything's running. The oil's running smooth in the engine, and the engine of the Tigers has been their offense has now been the most consistent thing for this ball club. And their pitching has come around incredibly, in my opinion, with Fister absolutely locking it down. No, this is exactly uh, well. Fister today, I mean, he pitched like what eight innings. I mean, he was he was phenomenal. He I mean, went eight innings, only gave up four hits, had thirteen strikeouts for a career high. Um, he's he's pitching great. Fister has earned our number two spot, in my opinion, when it comes to the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I don't care about the ERA or anything like that. I mean, you uh, can't base anything off that because he was with Seattle, and the Se- Seattle Mariners blow. And you know, he was three and twelve with them, and he's four and one with us since. So he's got more wins in his last five starts than he had over fifteen starts. I wonder what his ERA is with us. It's know? two point six four. Wow. So he's got a two six four ERA. He's four and one. Um, he's looking just dominant. He's six eight. The guy could be a power forward in the NBA. I know. He, yeah, and he's quick with his delivery. But you know, it, it, it's it's like I, I I like what I see. I just don't know how long it's going to last. I wanted to keep going. You know. Well, I think it will. Like I said, I mean, I I wasn't ever as a homer trying to say that they were going to win this division a couple months ago, but I just believed it, and I think you're going to see that first division win since 1987. And I think that's going to be this year. And if the Tigers, hopefully New York can hang on to the AL East, and hopefully we can play the Yankees in the first round. Um, I'd rather face the Yankees than face the Red Sox personally. Uh, I think uh, our pitching is better than the Yankees pitching, and I think our offense will be negligible, really. I think they'll cancel each other out in a lot of ways. So if we could get the New York Yankees in the first round, um, I think this team honestly has the potential to make it to the World Series. Wow. Okay. All right. All right. But thanks a lot for the call, Frank. All right. All right. Bye. All right, bye-bye. But, yes, the Tigers, as uh, Frank had alluded to, again, in two just uh, incredible games back-to-back on Saturday night, the Tigers win 9-8. to This team was down 8-1 to in the fifth inning, um, the largest comeback in Comerica Park history. Um, it was absolutely incredible. Again, a team down 8-1. to They had cut it to 8-6 to finally going into the ninth inning, and you have our boy Ryan Rayburn. A man that I did not think could do this to a degree, but he always surprises you. Um, hits a two-run knock to tie the game, and the next batter, who is it? Our man Miguel Cabrera coming in there and just getting that breaking ball and crushing it for a walk-off win. In uh, five minutes, the White Sox had been punched in the stomach, kicked in the face, and had written not a chance at the division on their jerseys because that game was that demoralizing. Uh, to lose a game when you're up 8-1 to one against a division rival in the final 20-some games of the season, and to lose like that, I'm sorry, but that you might as well have got knocked in the solar plexus because that knocked the wind out of them, and you could definitely see that looking at Sunday night's game on ESPN. 18-2 to is your final score. The Tigers put up 24 hits. It was a clinic. Nine Tigers with two hits apiece. Absolutely a joke. Um, they absolutely dominated the White Sox and embarrassed them on national television. Um, it was fantastic to see, again, Miguel Cabrera 
just lights out, hit another home run last night. Um, this whole team, when that offense is clicking, I think that they're the best offensive team in the league. Because I think when you look at New York a lot of times, I think you have to give them a lot of credit for what ballpark they play in. We play at Comerica Park. We don't play half of our games at Yankee Stadium where I could basically I could hit a home run to right field. So, you know, that's why I do want to give the uh, Tigers a lot of credit. And the 18-2 route with those two runs coming in the ninth anyhow was just very impressive. Uh, very impressive to see. I think this team is on its way. I have not seen the Tigers look this good in a long, in a long time. A very long time. So, again, great stuff here with the Tigers. Um, they did win today against the Cleveland Indians. They have a three-game series here at Cleveland. They won 4-2. to Again, Doug Fister, 13 strikeouts, won eight innings. Looked absolutely unstoppable today. Um, so, great to see from Fister. A fantastic outing from him. Um, the Tigers have two more games here against the Indians. Then they will have Thursday off. And on Friday through Sunday, they will be playing the Minnesota Twins. So that is what's looking ahead here for the Detroit Tigers. Again, 21 games left. I mean, we have a seven-and-a-half game lead. Tigers also had a seven-game lead with roughly the same amount of games left in 2009. But that was the time when the Twins went 18-8 and in their final stretch. And the Tigers went 11-15 and to force them to play that play-in game there for the 163rd game. But really, congratulations to the Tigers. Hey, they haven't won it yet. But the way they're playing, they seem like they're hungry enough for it. Um, and Ryan Rayburn, he's batting 325 in his last 42 games with six home runs. Um, again, Rayburn, a guy who's a second-half guy. And it's really shown through. But um, it's just, again, congratulations to the Tigers. You haven't won it yet. Don't get too cocky about it. But the way they're playing, I, I think they could beat anyone in Major League Baseball at this time. You know, and uh, real fast for all of you guys out there, uh, this is bad news, but Brennan Bosch is going to be out. He's out for the entire season. Um, everyone thinking that that uh, thumb, which wasn't going to be a big deal, he needs to have uh, surgery to repair the torn tendon in his right thumb. Um, the great thing about that, at least, we have guys to fill that slot. That's why we have Delman Young. That's why we have Andy Dirks. That's why we have such a deep team that even losing a guy like Brennan Bosch, who had played such so such great baseball, with two, you know hitting two eighty three, um, sixteen home runs, fifty four RBIs in his uh, you know two hundred and fifteen games with us, but we got guys to make that up. But um, I do want to thank all of our listeners for tuning into the show this evening. Yes, we could not get to IndyCar, but I will just say Will Power won at Baltimore Road Course. Great race, um, inaugural race there at Baltimore. Baltimore, they're going to be bringing it back here uh, next Labor Day, I believe, as well. But uh, again, thanks to all of our listeners for calling in and everyone just listening in general. Um, yes, Megan, will be back next week for a brand new episode of the Spartan Sports Wrap. Um, but for everyone here, my name is Dave Ferencchio on 88.9. I hope you guys have a good evening. You've been listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune in every week for more of the greatest sports information, news, and analysis. Here and only here on Impact 89FM.